0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic and the Moon podcast. As always, I'm your host, David, and this week we are talking about Samhain. Um, also, going to talk about some other things as well that are kind of celebrated at this time of year as well. So, Dia de los Muertos in a lot of Latin and Spanish-speaking countries, um, or as it's called in Brazil Dia dos Muertos, and um, we're going to talk about kind of this time of year, um, the celebration of kind of death and kind of what certain festivities go on, and why. So uh, Samhain, for those of you that don't know, is part of the Wheel of the Year. And the Wheel of the Year is kind of a, I guess a sort of calendar of eight holidays, which are often called Sabbaths, that are celebrated by Wiccans and possibly other types of Pagans as well. So Samhain is a Gallic festival originally, that marks the end of the harvest season and the beginning of winter and the dark half of the year. In the northern hemisphere it celebrated anywhere from like the 31st of October to the first or second of November and celebrations vary somewhat. This is the halfway point between the autumn equinox and the winter solstice with the autumn equinox being in September and the winter solstice being in December. And this is one of the first quarter days associated with the Gallic seasonal festivals, um, which also includes Imbolc, Beltane, and Lunasa. Historically, it was widely observed throughout Ireland, Scotland, and the Isle of Man. And a similar festival was held by the Britonic Celtic people called Calangraff in Wales. And I don't speak Welsh. <laughs> that's probably not how you say that. Um, but that's how it's written. So Samhain is believed to have Celtic pagan origins and some Neolithic passage tombs in Ireland are aligned with the sunrise at the time of Samhain. It is first mentioned in the earliest Irish literature from the ninth century and is associated with many important events in Irish mythology. The early literature says that Samhain was marked by great gatherings and feasts and it was when the ancient burial grounds, which were seen as portals to the other world were opened. And some of the literature also associates Samhain with bonfires and sacrifices. The festival was not recorded in detail until the early modern era, and it was when cattle were brought down from the summer pastures and when livestock were slaughtered. Just like Beltane, special bonfires were lit. These were deemed to have protective and cleansing powers, and there were rituals involving them. And like Beltane, Samhain was a liminal or threshold festival, on the boundary between the mortal world and the other world thinned, meaning the spirits or the fairies could more easily come into the mortal realm. Most scholars see descriptions of fairies as being remnants of pagan gods, and at Samhain they were appeased with offerings of food and drink to ensure that people and their livestock would survive the winter. The souls of the dead were also thought to revisit their homes seeking hospitality, and a place was set at the table for them during Samhain as a meal. Mumming and guising are part of the festival from at least the early modern era, where people went door-to-door in costume, reciting verses in exchange for food. The costumes may have been a way of imitating and disguising oneself from the spirits, and divination was also a big part of the festival and often involved nuts and apples. In the late 19th century, John Rees and James Fraser suggested that it was the Celtic New Year, but this has been uh, disputed since then. In the ninth century, the Catholic Church shifted the date of All Saints Day to November 1st and 2nd, and it later became All Souls Day. And this is believed that over time, Samhain and All Saints Day influenced each other and eventually kind of became syncretized into what is now Halloween. But some folklorists have used the name Samhain to refer to the Gallic customs up until as recently as the 19th century. And since the 20th century, A lot of neo-pagans and Wiccans as well have observed Samhain um, or a similar festival as a religious holiday. So let's talk about the actual word Samhain. Um, So it's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Looks like Samhain, but it's pronounced Samhain. And in modern Irish, as well as Scottish Gaelic, the name Samhain usually has a definitive article and older forms of the word include some different spellings as well, but they're all um, similar and the modern Gaelic name for the month of November comes from the word Samhain. These names all come from the old Irish word Samhain, which was the name for this same festival in medieval Ireland. And this is believed to come from some Proto-Indo-European uh, word *semō*, which means summer. Um, John T. Coach said that it's unclear why a festival marking the beginning of winter would include the word summer. And one suggestion is that the name means summer's end with sam meaning summer and win meaning end, so summer's end. In 1907, Whitley Stokes suggested that an etymology came from the Proto-Celtic word samani, which meant assembly or gathering, and Joseph Vindry suggested that it was related to summer because the Celtic summer ended in August. So Salon was the festival that marked the beginning of winter in Ireland, and this is widely attested to in the earliest Irish literature, which dates back from the 10th century onward. It was one of four Gallic seasonal festivals, which was Samhain on the 1st of November and Bulk on the 1st of February, Beltane on the 1st of May, and Lunasa on the 1st of August. Samhain and Beltane were opposite sides of the year and were thought to have been the most important. Sir James George Fraser wrote in his 1890 book, The Golden Bow, A Study in Magic and Religion, that 1st May and 1st November were of little importance to European crop growers but of great importance to herdsmen that practiced uh, seasonal transhumanance. And transhumanance just means um, kind of the seasonal movement of livestock. It's at the beginning of summer that cattle are driven to the upland summer pastures and it's the beginning of winter that they're led back. So Fraser suggested that having the year at May 1st and November 1st dates from when the Celts were a pastoral people that depended on herds. Some Neolithic passage tombs in Ireland are, are, again, aligned with kind of the sunrise at the times of Samhain and Imbolc, and this includes the Mound of Hostages at the Hill of Tara. So while Irish mythology was originally just a spoken tradition, much of it was eventually written down in the Middle Ages by Christian monks. The 10th century tale Tamark Emmer, which means the wooing of Emmer, lists Samhain as the first of the quarter days, or one of the four seasonal festivals of the year. The literature says a peace would be declared and there were great gatherings where they held meetings, feasted, drank alcohol, and held contests. These gatherings are a popular setting for many Irish tales. The tale Extra Cormac, which means Cormac's Adventure, says that the Feast of Tara was held every seventh Samhain, hosted by the High King of Ireland, during which new laws and duties were ordained. And anyone who broke the laws established during this time would be banished. According to Irish mythology, Samhain, like Beltane, was a time when the doorway to the other world opened, allowing supernatural beings and the souls of the dead to come into our world. While Beltane was a summer festival for the living, Samhain was a winter festival for the dead. The Boyhood Deeds of Fionn says that the Sidhe, um, which basically means fairy mounds or portals to the other world, were always open at Samhain. And each year, the fire breather, Elin, emerges from the other world and burns down the palace of Tara during the Samhain festival, after lulling everyone to sleep with his music. One Samhain, the young Fionn mac cumhel is able to stay awake, and he slays the fire breather with a magical spear, for which he is made leader of the Fiana. In a similar tale, one Samhain, the other world being Kobuld, comes out of the burial ground on Silvaman and snatches a roast pig. Fionn kills him with a spear and re-enters the mound. Fionn's thumb is caught between the door and the post as it shuts, and he pulls it in his mouth to ease the pain. But as his thumb had been inside the other world, he is bestowed with great wisdom. And this may refer to gaining knowledge from the ancestors. Alkalam Naslnark, meaning uh, the colloquially of the elders, tells how three female werewolves emerged from the, crave, the cave of Krakhan, which was an otherworld portal and they would emerge each Sa'wan to kill livestock. And when Kaskurak would play his harp, they would take on a human form, and then they would be slain with the spear. So some historic customs uh, for this time. It was one of the four major festivals It was a really important holiday, and it marked the end of the harvest time of the summer and the beginning of winter. Sa'wan customs are mentioned in several medieval texts. It's said that the festival of the Ulad at Samhain lasted a week, and Samhain itself lasted three days before and after. It involved great gatherings, at which there were meetings, feasting, alcohol, drinking, and contests. Similar to Beltane, bonfires were lit on hilltops at Samhain, and there were rituals involving them. But, by the modern era, they are now most common in parts of the Scottish Highlands, on the Isle of Man, and in the northern and middle Wales, and in parts of Ulster. F. Marion McNeil says that a force fire, or a need fire, was a traditional way of lighting them, but notes that this method gradually died out. Likewise, only certain kinds of wood were traditionally used, but later records show that many kinds of flammable materials were burnt. It is suggested that the fires were kind of an imitative or a sympathetic magic, mimicking the sun, helping the powers of growth, and holding back the decay and the darkness of winter. They may also have served to symbolically burn up and destroy harmful influences. Accounts from the 18th and 19th centuries suggested the fires, as well as their smoke and ashes, were deemed to have protective and cleansing powers. The bonfires were also used in divination rituals, although not all divination involved fire. In the 18th century, a ring of stones, one for each person, was laid around the bonfire, perhaps on a layer of ash. Everyone then ran around it with a torch, exulting. In the morning, the stones were examined, and if any was mislaid, it was said that the person it represented would not live throughout the year. A similar custom was observed in northern Wales and in Brittany. As noted earlier, Samhain was seen as a liminal or an in-between time, when the boundary between the mortal world and the other world could more easily be crossed. This meant that spirits could more easily come into our world, and many spirits uh, are considered by scholars of this nature to be remnants of nature spirits and pagan gods of pre-Christian Ireland. At Samhain, it was believed that these spirits needed to be propagated to ensure that the people and their livestock would survive through the winter, so offerings of food and drink would be left outside, and portions of the crops might be left in the ground for them. One custom, described as a blatant example of a pagan rite surviving into the Christian times, was observed in the Outer Hebrides until the early 19th century. On 31st October, the locals would go down to the shore. One man would wade into the water up to his waist, where he would pour a cup of ale and ask Shoni, who he called the god of the sea, to bestow blessings on them. People also took special care not to offend the spirits and sought to ward off any of them who were out to cause mischief. They stayed near to home, or if they had to walk in the dark, they would turn their clothing inside out or carry iron or salts to keep the spirits at bay. Samhain was also a time to honor the dead. The beginning of winter may have been seen as the most fitting time to do this because it was a time of the dying of nature. The souls of the dead were thought to revisit their homes seeking hospitality, and a place was always set for them at a the dinner table at Samhain. The belief that the souls of the dead would return one night of the year, must be appeased, seems to have ancient origins, and is found in many cultures throughout the world. James Fraser suggested it was perhaps a natural thought that the approach of winter should drive the poor, shivering, hungry ghosts from the bare fields and leafless woodlands to the shelter of the cottage. However, the souls of the thankful kin could return to bestow blessings, just as easily as that of a wronged person could return to seek revenge. During the late 19th and early 20th centuries, the Celtic Revival there was an upswell of interest in Samhain and other Celtic festivals. Sir John Rhys put forth that it had been the Celtic New Year. He inferred this from contemporary folklore in Ireland and Wales, which he felt was full of Halloween customs associated with new beginnings. He visited the Isle of Man and found that the Manx, sometimes called the 31st of October, New Year's Night, and the Totemach Empire, written in the Middle Ages, reckoned that the year around the four festivals at the beginning of the seasons and put Samhain at the beginning. However, Ronald Hutton says the evidence for this being the new year is flimsy. Rise's theory was popularized by Sir James George Fraser, although at the time he did acknowledge that the evidence was inconclusive. So, Samhain and similar festivals are held uh, in high esteem by pagans as well as Wiccans, and there are many different kinds of paganism, of course, so their Samhain celebrations vary uh, quite a lot, even if the name is shared. So some try to emulate the historic festival as much as possible, and others base their celebrations on other things. The folklorist, Jenny Butler, describes how Irish pagans picked some elements at the historic celebration and meld them with references to the Celtic past, making a new festival that is part of a neo-pagan culture. In modern times, Samhain is often celebrated from the 31st of October to the 1st of November in the northern hemisphere, and in the Southern Hemisphere, it's celebrated from the 30th of April to the 1st of May. Some people celebrate it at the astronomical midpoint between the autumn equinox and the winter solstice, or the full moon nearest that point, which usually falls around the 6th or 7th of November in the Northern Hemisphere. Like other Reconstructionist traditions, Celtic paganism uh, emphasizes historical accuracy. They base their celebrations and rituals on traditional lore, as well as research into the beliefs of the polytheistic Celts. They celebrate Samhain around the 1st of November, but they may adjust the date to suit the regional climate, such as when the first frost of winter arrives. Their traditions include Saining, which is a form of smoke cleansing, as well as lighting bonfires. And some follow the old tradition of building two bonfires, which celebrates the animals that pass through a ritual of purification. For Celtic Reconstructionists, it's a time when the dead are especially honored. They make offerings at all times of year, but Samhain is a time when more elaborate offerings are made to specific ancestors. This may involve making a small altar or a shrine. They may have a meal or a place where the dead is set at the table and they are invited to join. And an untouched portion of food and drink is left outside as an offering. Traditional stories may be told as well as traditional songs, poems, and dances may be performed. A western-facing door or window might be opened and a candle left burning on the windowsill to guide the dead back to their home. Divination for the coming year is often done, whether in solemnity or as games, and the more mystically inclined may also see this as a time for deeply communing with their deities, especially those that are particularly linked with the festival or with death. Wiccans also celebrate um, a version of Samhain as one of their Sabbaths of the Wheel of the Year, and is deemed by many Wiccans to be one of the more important Sabbaths, or the greater Sabbaths. Samhain is seen by some Wiccans. It's a time to celebrate the lives of those who have passed away, and a time to pay respect to ancestors. This minute also include literal ancestors, like family members, but also friends and loved ones, um, perhaps elders of their faith, so like notable Wiccans, um, as well as pets and other loved ones that have died. In some rituals, the spirits of the dead are invited to attend the festivities. That is seen as a festival of darkness, which is balanced at the opposite point of the wheel by the spring's festival of Beltane, which is more so about light and fertility. Many Wiccans believe that at Samhain the veil between this world and the afterlife is at its very thinnest point, and it makes it very easy to communicate the souls of the dead. So, of course, um, another festival or holiday or tradition, uh, whatever you'd like to call it that is celebrated similarly um, around this time is the Day of the Dead. And this has some different names depending on where you are um, in Spanish. It's often called Dia de los Muertos. In Portuguese, it's called Dia de Muertos. Um, but it's celebrated usually from the 31st of October to usually around the 2nd of November. And depending on kind of which location, which regional variant, is being celebrated, it may extend to as far as the 6th of November. It largely originated in Mexico, where it is mostly observed, but other places as well um, celebrate it as well. It's associated with Western Christianity, um, such as All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Day, All Souls' Day, etc. but um, it's more of a joyful celebration of those that have passed. It's not really a time of mourning. It's a multi-day celebration. It involves family and friends, Paying respects to people that have passed away, and sometimes it can even have a humorous tone, kind of remembering funny things about those that have passed. Traditions connected with the holiday often include having like things to honor the deceased, um, such as marigold flowers, building altars called ofrendas, and decorating it with photos of loved ones as well as food and drinks that they enjoyed. Um, visiting their graves, leaving gifts for them, and it's not only about the dead, because it's also common to give gifts to your loved ones as well, especially like the candy sugar skulls um, or a traditional pan de muerto with your family and friends. It's also time to write lighthearted and often like irreverent verses in the form of kind of uh, silly epitaphs dedicated to friends that are still living. And it's kind of a mixture of being solemn and lighthearted. So in Mexico in particular the, during uh Dia de los Muertos the tradition is built um to build private altars called ofrendas and this contains the food and drinks that people that would have enjoyed when they were alive as well as photos of the deceased memorabilia etc and the intent is to encourage their souls to visit you so that they hear the prayers and the words of the living that are directed to them These altars are often placed at home or sometimes in public spaces like schools or libraries but it's also common for people to go to cemeteries to place these altars next to the tombs of the departed. Plans for the day are made throughout the year, including like gathering goods to be offered to the dead. And during the three-day period, families usually clean and decorate the graves. Most visit the cemeteries where their loved ones are buried, and they might decorate their headstones with ofrendas, um, which often include the orange marigold flowers. And in modern Mexico, the marigold is sometimes called flor de muerto, or the flower of the dead. And these flowers are thought to attract the souls of the dead to the offerings that are being given to them. It's also believed that the bright petals with the strong smell will guide souls from their ter- uh, from the cemeteries or from their buried places to their families' homes. Toys are brought out for dead children, and bottles of tequila, mezcal, or pulque, or jars of atole for adults. And families will also often um, offer trinkets or the deceased' favorite candies on their grave. Some families have these altars in their homes, usually with foods like candied pumpkins, uh, pan de muerto, bread of the dead, sugar skulls, etc. And the ofrendas are left out in the homes as a welcoming gesture for the loved ones that have passed. Some people believe that the spirits of the dead eat like kind of the spiritual essence of the food so that the celebrators can eat the physical food after the party has ended. Um, Pillows and blankets are left out so they can rest after their journey in some parts of Mexico, people spend all night beside the graves of their relatives. Some families build altars or shrines in their homes, and these are sometimes um, also includes like a cross, statues of the Virgin Mary, pictures of the, the pictures of the deceased relatives, um, candles, things like that. And families will spend some time around the altar praying and kind of just telling stories and remembering the loved ones that have died. Um, and sometimes people wear shells on their clothing so that when they dance and move around, the noise will um, attract the dead to you. During the festivities, food's eaten by the living people, of course, and it's also offered to the spirits on the ofrendas, and tamales are one of the most common dishes prepared uh, for both purposes. It's celebrated a little bit differently, depending on where you are, because there's lots of different variants uh, to this, but in Belize, the Day of the Dead is practiced uh, by people of the Yucatac Maya ethnicity, where they call it the San, which means food for souls in their language. And altars are built and decorated with food and drink and candles. In Brazil, um, the holiday is called Dia de Mortos, or sometimes uh, Dia dos Feis defuntos, which means Day of the Faithfully Deceased. And it's celebrated on the 2nd November. It's very similar to um, the Mexican Day of the Dead celebrations People go to cemeteries and churches with flowers and candles and offer prayers to loved ones. And the celebration is kind of meant to be a positive honoring of the dead. And it's kind of a mixture of the um, practices of the indigenous people of Brazil mixed with kind of more European Catholic practices. In Costa Rica, they celebrate uh, Dia de los Muertos on November 2nd. It's also called Dia de Todos Santos or All Saints Day. And Catholic masses are celebrated and people visit their loved ones' graves there as well. So in the United States, there's many people of uh, Latin descent, of course, and the Day of the Dead celebrations are very similar to those held in Mexico. And some of these communities, um, especially in states like Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona, the celebrations tend to be very traditional. And the All Souls Procession, or like parade, been an annual Tucson, Arizona event since 1990. This event combines elements of the traditional Day of the Dead celebrations with uh, that of pagan harvest festivals, like Samhain, which we discussed. People wearing masks will carry signs honoring the dead, um, and they will carry urns, or like funeral pots, in which people can place slips of paper with prayers on them, which will be ritually burned. Um, in Santa Ana, California in particular, it is said to be the largest um, Day of the Dead festival in the United States. And it um, is called the Note de the Night of the Altars, which begins, uh, it began in 2002. The celebration has grown to two large events, with the creation of an event held at the Santa Ana Regional Transportation Center. And it's very, very large. Um, so in other communities, interactions with like Mexican traditions Mixing with American culture kind of results in different celebrations, and the Mexican traditions end up kind of being extended to make artistic and sometimes even political statements. Uh, For example, in Los Angeles, California, the Self-Help Graphics and Art Mexican-American Cultural Center presented an annual Day of the Dead celebration that includes traditional and political elements, um, such as altars to honor the victims of the Iraq war, for example, particularly the high casualty rate of Latino soldiers. An updated intercultural version of the Day of the Dead is also evolving at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. There's a mixture of native Californian art as well as Mexican traditions and the kind of Hollywood uh, memorabilia. Conventional altars are set up side by side with altars to like Jane Mansfield and Johnny Ramone and colorful native dancers and music intermingle with performance artists and other things that kind of play on traditional themes. So that's all I have for you this time. I hope you enjoyed learning about this time of the year, the dark half of the year, um, how and why we honor the dead at this time. And I hope you enjoyed learning about it as much as I enjoyed talking about it. And I hope that you have a happy Halloween, a blessed Samhain, and a de los muertos to those who celebrate. And I will see you all next week.